We're going to read from Paul's second letter to Timothy and chapter 2. We're reading, I have to apologise, we're reading from the New King James Version. When, when I spoke to Alec on the phone and he asked for my reading and what version I wanted to use, I said to him, what version do you use? And that was a kind of a general question. And Alex said, the King James. And so I said, well, we'll use the new King James version. <laughs> but that's what we're going to use tonight. It's a, a great version. So, sing 2 Timothy, chapter 2, at the very beginning. We're going to read the whole chapter. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone completes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind him of these things charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. <coughs> but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 
For in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honour and some for dishonour. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honour, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses, and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Amen. And may the Lord add his blessing to that reading of his own word. Let's just say a wee word of prayer before we turn to the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, it's a solemn thing to handle the word of God and so we ask you to prepare each one of our hearts and we pray that as we listen and, and think on this passage we just pray that you would apply it to each one of us you know the needs and the desires of each one of our hearts Lord and so we just commit our way to you and pray that you would speak to us, Lord, and let your servants hear. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, it's good to remind ourselves that until the return of Jesus Christ, the church is in a battle. That hymn that we sang during the offering spoke of the battle cry. And that was lovely. I didn't know that that was going to be used tonight. So the church is in a battle. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church in Ephesus, said, we wrestle against principalities and powers. The Apostle John, writing in Revelation chapter 12, speaks of a war in heaven when he says, Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and who hold to the testimony of Jesus. So every Christian, whether young or old, is a soldier. Paul spoke about Epaphroditus in Philippians and he speaks to Timothy here in this letter. Chapter 2 and verse 2 and 3. He says, The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore 
must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That reminds us, if we need to be reminded, and I'm sure we don't need to be reminded, that we have an enemy, the devil. And he'll do everything in his power, not just to cause us difficulty, but to disable us and eventually to destroy us. That is his purpose. And so we are in a battle. Paul writes, we are not ignorant of his devices to the church in Corinth. So it's good for any soldier in a battle to be alert to the tactics of the enemy. And so that's really the bulk of what we're going to look at tonight. The devil and his devices. One of the first devices of the devil is deception. Now deception is a fundamental tool in warfare. And if you were to ask for a definition of what deception is, it's to deliberately cause someone to believe something that's not true or to try to get them to believe something that's not true. John in his gospel, he records that the devil is a liar. These are the words of Jesus. The devil is a liar and the father of lies. And you just have to open the Bible in the first book of the Bible in Genesis and to see the devil and he's at work deceiving Eve in the garden. Genesis chapter 2. It's recorded again in 1 Timothy chapter 2, the Paul's first letter to Timothy. He tried to deceive Jesus in the desert during the temptations. And he comes as an angel of light. He is the deceiver of the whole earth in Revelation. And he uses others to, to deceive as well. Paul, writing further on, to Timothy speaks of evil people and imposters who go from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived and we can deceive ourselves as well if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself we're told to do not be deceived bad company ruins good morals and if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So one of the devil's first tactics against you, against me as a Christian, against the church, is to seek to deceive us. How do we counteract it? Well, the best way to counteract it is to follow the example of Jesus who used the truth. Each time the devil came to Jesus in the <coughs> desert, in the temptation, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus responded with, it is written. So folks, I can't, uh, um, can't emphasise enough the importance of getting to know this book. Getting to know this book. Paul says it's the sword of the spirit. 
and it's a sword that's used in battle, isn't it? And we're going to be faced regularly. We're going to have folk coming around our doors, Jehovah's Witnesses, who will use the truth and try to deceive you into believing something that's not true. So the more and the better you get to know this book, the better equipped you are against deception. In the book of Acts, the Berean Christians, they were commended because even when Paul was speaking, they searched the scriptures to see whether these things were true. And so it doesn't matter how august a speaker you have up here. Search the scriptures to see whether these things are true. We're told to be not carried away or carried around by every wind of doctrine. So, deception. Second tool of the devil is discomfort or distress. I would encourage you, not necessarily tonight, but I would encourage you to read through this letter to Timothy in a winner because it would be very unusual if you received a letter that you would just read the first wee bit of it and then put it away back in its envelope. You would read the whole letter through, wouldn't you? And you'd get a real picture. And if you read this letter 13 times in these few chapters, Paul speaks about suffering. He wrote to the Roman Christians, he wrote the Romans, he said, suffering produces perseverance. The disciples rejoiced in the book of Acts that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. And we're told in it's Hebrews, that Jesus for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame sometimes we don't know how to explain suffering away or how we cope with suffering but Jesus reminds us, he said, if they hated me, they will hate you and just in that we prayed this evening it's good to remember the persecuted church. We have so many privileges here to come here and gather. There are some countries in the world, if this gathering was taking place, they would be doing so in fear for their lives. And so suffering is a, a reality. Paul himself uh, spoke of one of the devil's messengers when he spoke of a thorn in his flesh. We don't really know what that thorn in his flesh was. But it was something given to him. A messenger from Satan. And it's also good to remember that he writes this letter from a prison cell. Paul endured discomfort, suffering, And I don't know what your situations are, but you might be experiencing that as well. But the good thing to remember is that the Lord has promised never to leave you and never to forsake you. 
that he's there with me. He was there with Paul in that prison cell. And in the midst of suffering, it's good to remember that suffering produces endurance. And that's perseverance, isn't it? He wants us to persevere in our faith. And he sometimes uses tools that are difficult to understand. And yet we have to trust that all things work together for good. For those who love the Lord. That's discouragement. Hey, that's the discomfort, I beg your pardon. Third tactic of the devil is discouragement. I'm looking round and I'm wondering if anyone can remember Lord Ho-Ho in the Second World War. He was used as a propaganda merchant, wasn't he? I mean, I've heard some of, some of the recordings of him. And it was to discourage the war effort and to discourage folks here during the Second World War. And that's what discouragement is, isn't it? It's a loss of confidence or a loss of enthusiasm. And it can occur for many, many reasons, but it can occur due to fear. Do you remember in Josh, when they they were going to the promised land? Twelve men went to spy in Canaan. Ten were bad, two were good. Ten came back and they said, you know, there's giants in the land. They were discouraged. But Caleb and Joshua said, we can take this land. And this land is flowing with milk and honey. So we can be discouraged due to fear. We can be discouraged due to the power of the enemy. And I'm thinking of Goliath at this point. You know, when the Israelite army were against the Philistines, they were totally discouraged when they saw this guy appearing every day. He was a giant. The power of the enemy. And then this young lad, David, comes along and says, I'm not scared of this guy because I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. He was trusting in the Lord of hosts. We can also be discouraged by the sight of other suffering. You know, I've just come from my from my house with you know, we're watching our two grandchildren, and you know if something was to happen to one of your grandchildren or or, or your child, something like that, you know, it's, nobody knows how you're going to cope with that. But it would be discouraging. It would be terribly discouraging and, and heartbreaking. And when you see someone else suffering, that can be discouraging. We can be discouraged by personal failure. You know, the, a sin that you have committed. Maybe a recurring sin that you've committed can be very discouraging. But the other side of that coin is a success. Elijah, after defeating the prophets on Mount Carmel, is seen cowering before and hiding from Jezebel, discouraged. 
We can be discouraged by the prosperity of the wicked. Why are people getting on fine who have nothing to do with Jesus? That's, that was the, the story in Psalm 73, wasn't it? He says, I, I, my feet almost slipped when I saw how they were prospering. Prospering. He said, then, and that's an amazing word, then I came into the Lord's temple and discovered their end. And we can be discouraged by the criticism of others. Maybe you think you're doing a good job and somebody comes up and reminds you that they don't think you're doing that good a job. And that's very common in the Christian <coughs> church. Timothy was told by Paul, don't let them despise your youth. So how do we counteract discouragement? Well, the opposite of discouragement is encouragement. Isn't it? And this is a place where we should be involved in encouraging one another. So it's about meeting together. It's about using words. Sometimes it's about just sitting beside one another and putting a hand on an arm. And it's about being careful with your tongue. James tells us to be careful how we use our tongue. Use it for good things, not for negative, critical, discouraging things. And we can share our experiences. I love that passage in 2 Corinthians where Paul says, comfort one another with the comfort you have received. If you look th through that wee passage, you know, seven times at least he uses the word comfort. But we can comfort one another. And maybe that's part of the reason you do go through difficult times, discouraging times, painful times, suffering times. And it's maybe so that you can comfort somebody else who is coming along in the past year, in the past year, within a, the fellowship a, that, that we worship in, in the evening, I won't explain that, but in Stirling Free Church and in that area, we have come across and been involved with six ladies with breast cancer in a very short period of time, over a year, six not related, totally unrelated. And sometimes they may say, why is this happening to me? Well, on Sunday night, one of the ladies came in who's just going to go for radiotherapy. And two of the ladies, two other ladies were sitting there who've had radiotherapy and were able to encourage. So... We often don't know why things happen. But it's good to remember that the Lord is in control in these situations. And it's also good to try and be encouraging as much as you can. So, deception, discomfort, discouragement, distraction. What's a distraction? 
Well, something that prevents someone from concentrating on something else. You, you might be distracted. To, maybe, there might be... Usually we talk about a morning service and folks are wondering whether the, the roast is going to be okay or the chicken in the oven is going to be fine. So we quite easily can be distracted. But Paul, in, in verse 4, says here, no soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. So we have to be kind of blinkered, focused, on following the Lord, serving the Lord, not distracted with other things. And I don't know about Bowness Baptist Church, but I do know that in Presbyterianism, which is my tradition, you know, ministers get stuck on committees and do all these other things. And I seriously think it's a distraction away from the work that the Lord has given them to do. And we can be so easily distracted. We're told in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord says, no one can serve two masters. The writer to the Hebrew says, lay aside every weight. Keep your life free from the love of money. And Paul writing in 1 Corinthians speaks of an undivided devotion to the Lord. So that's in a busy life with so much going on in the world. Brexit, the lot, everything. You turn on your telly and it's usually not a lot of good news. We can be so distracted from the things that are important rather than necessarily the things that are urgent. And thinking about John chapter 21, and, and Jesus has spoken to Peter, and he, he comes to him and says, do you love me? And three times he says, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Peter says, yes, Lord. You know I love you. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus says to him, follow me. And as Peter is going to follow Jesus, he turns around and says, and what about John? What about John? And Jesus says, really that's not your business. I'm paraphrasing that. But he says, you've just got to focus on following me. Now we are to be concerned about one another. I'm not saying that at all but Jesus had just had an encounter or Peter had just had an encounter with Jesus and the first thing he says is and what about John so let's be the most in the main things you know in the book of Acts the apostles appointed deacons so that they could Focus on the word and prayer. So that they might not be distracted by other things. These were all legitimate concerns. Serving widows and such like. But they wanted to focus. And 
for us as Christians in the 21st century, we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. That is the main thing for each one of us. So the devil uses deception, discomfort, discouragement, distraction. Lastly, it can also use desertion. So in an army situation, what is desertion? Well, it's illegally leaving the armed forces. But it also can mean just abandoning, leaving, forsaking. <laughs> if you read further on in this letter to Timothy, Paul writes, People will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And then he speaks of Demas. Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He also says, at my first defence, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. And that can be discouraging as well. Maybe you've had somebody sitting in part of this fellowship, and then they just come up and say, I've had enough of this. I'm off. That's discouraging. And the least... I remember the, the athlete, uh, Jonathan Edwards, you know, to, he seemed to have just a great testimony, seemed to be solid, and then falls away. Now, there are many people still praying for Jonathan Edwards that the Lord will restore him. But uh, Jesus himself knew what that was like to be deserted and it's a truth and it's a, a tactic of the devil that we would be deserted so this is us but let's put it all together and just remember that Jesus the devil attempted to deceive him, Jesus experienced discomfort Jesus, they attempted to distract him from his goal. Remember, you know, folks would come and try to make him king. They wanted King Jesus to come. But it was an earthly king who was going to take away the Roman rule. And that wasn't what Jesus' mission was. And he was deserted as well. The Garden of Gethsemane. The disciples all forsook him. And yet the amazing thing is that he still loves us. All of us have failed him. All of us have lost in some of the battles that we have been involved in. But you know, he deals with us graciously and mercifully and lovingly and his death on the cross and his resurrection proves that we will be and are more than conquerors through him who loved us so folks in Bowness Baptist Church tonight I have a simple question for you 
Are you in a battle? Or are you in a bubble? If you're in a bubble, you're going to be no use to the people in Bones who need to hear about Jesus. But if you get into the battle, it comes at a cost. And we all have to just count the cost. But I can assure you that it is worth it. Because he has promised never to leave us and never to forsake us. So we are going to sing in a minute, stand up for Jesus. So we'll just have a wee word of prayer before that. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that the battle is the Lord's. We thank you that the victory is the Lord's. We have the victory. But we are still in a battle today. And so we just pray for each one of us here tonight that you would equip us with the whole armour of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the evil one. We are not ignorant of his devices, Lord. And though we wrestle against principalities and powers, we thank you that our Saviour is the victor. And we just pray that you would apply this word to our heart and take away from our hearts anything that's been said not in accordance with your will. And all this we say in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with that great old hymn, number 513. Stand up, stand up for Jesus.
Lord, may it be said of us that at the end of our lives we have fought the good fight of faith. We have kept the faith and henceforth is laid up for us a crown of life. And now may grace, mercy and peace from God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen.